Good evening. We are going to be continuing and simultaneously wrapping up our summer series and our Bible study on messy stories of faith this evening. And we've been pulling kind of character studies from Hebrews chapter 11 and the faith stories that have a lot of ups and downs. And they're highlighted in Scripture for incredible feats of faith, um, but their stories are also full of what we might be tempted to call character flaws. But the people that we've been looking at on Wednesday nights are real people, right? And they are real humans that have a real faith, so let's call them what they are. They're incredible giants of faith with incredible weaknesses. And that works nicely with what we're going to be talking about this evening. Uh, Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 34, um, the writer of Hebrews says, I don't even have time to talk about all these other characters. And he starts listing um, characters and he mentions who we're going to talk about this evening, Samson. And he says, I don't even have time to talk about Samson. It's kind of how me and Will felt about the entire story and all the lessons that are in Judges 13 through 16, four chapters. There's a lot there. It's a really kind of a simple story, but there's a lot going on. And so I feel like, man, we don't really have time to, to discuss all of it. And he says they've done all sorts of things like leading nations and shutting the mouths of lions and, and conquering nations. And Samson, the man we're talking about this evening, is definitely more on that side of things. He's definitely more on shutting up lions and conquering nations than he is like leading people. Uh, and so we are um, going to get into that in a second. But first, a few introductions. I'm Barrett. I work with Crossroads. Crossroads is our high school student ministry here. So I work with our high school kids, ninth through 12th graders. And this is Will Ashmore. And he's one of those students that I get to work with. Uh, so, Will, uh, why don't you tell them? I know. That's why I asked him to come up here to balance out with good looks what happened. Okay, so um, <laughs> this is Will. And Will's going to tell you a little bit about himself. Um, well, good evening. Um, I'm a junior at Frisco Liberty High School. Um, I'm 16, and I'm a big sports guy. I play football and run track. Um, my favorite class is English, um, and I've been I a member. I made him share that one. I was like, you got to throw in something about school. Yeah. So he said English. That's good. Um, yeah, I'm a member of the youth group, and my favorite youth trip is South Texas. I didn't tell him to say that. I did, I did, Tom. <laughs> um, I have two brothers, um, Andrew, he graduated, and now attends Harding, and my little brother, Ethan. Um, yeah. He's over there, yeah. And I'm going to embarrass you, Will. Who's your girlfriend? Ollie Winden. Hey! She's the best. She's cool, too. Um, so I didn't tell him I was going to do that. Uh, <laughs> So I know that sometimes uh, you might be tempted um, to take a photo anytime that we have like the youth. Oh, we'll take a second because these are good. Um, this is Will kicking a kickball so hard that his shoe is out of the frame. Um, and then this is the center photo is Will serving this summer at Servo KC. He was feeding hungry people in Oklahoma City, which is just a cool picture. He was like happy to do it. And then that's me hugging Will because I got to score because he kicked a home run on spring retreat. It was really cool. So anyways, me and Will go back to spring retreat. Um, <laughs> but I, I know that you might be tempted to like take a photo in the middle of this lesson, especially mom and dad. And uh, so we're just going to pause and pretend like we're teaching and you can take your photos now, but it's going to be real quick, but let's start over here where we're like teaching, teaching. That's a good point. 
Okay. So you can post that on Facebook and let Will's parents know how proud of him you are, um, how proud of them you are for raising such a good guy. So messy stories of faith, let's get into it. Um, Tonight we're discussing one of the messiest stories, um, and it starts in kind of a weird way for me. I have a a long history with Samson. When I was in second grade, I was about 5'3 and 150 pounds. Uh, it's, it's not a lie. It's true. Um, I know this because my teacher wrote that on everything, um, as you would if you had that just monstrosity in second grade walking into your classroom. And so she wrote that on a lot. So I went to Middle Tennessee Christian School for elementary school, like second through sixth grade, and we did skits for chapel. And my class, when I was in second grade, uh, drew the Samson skit. And so obviously I was going to play Samson. Uh, unfortunately, my mother had to provide the wig for the hair. So my mother bought me a share wig, much like, I think we have a picture of the wig. Yeah. <laughs> Not like a cool, masculine Samson wig like you would think or desire, but instead this. That's a spot-on share wig hair. I mean, I know that's her, but that's her real hair. And I had the wig, and it was horrible. Um, and the other kids were narrating, and I really just got to like walk around kind of like a shy large pudgy kid with this wig on and just like beat up my classmates. Um, And that was fun. Uh, But the story of Samson um, is kind of like that play and that skit that I was in. It's a real mess. Um, I have this long history, this story of Samson, and it's, you know, like we said, Judges 13 through 16. You can open up there um, to follow along, but if you haven't finished reading it, there's going to be some spoilers in our lesson. Um, there are dozens of lessons to be taught from the faith of Samson, not just his strength, um, not just you know, his birth story. You can pull a dozen lessons out from each chapter, from each little bit of his life, uh, and we're going to cover all of them. I'm just kidding. But we are going to focus on several um, kind of different points of Samson's wild uh, faith and his kind of ups and downs. Uh, Will, you're a strong guy. What do you bench? Uh, freshman year is 700. 700 pounds. Maybe he's 800 on a good day. Wow. He's joking. Uh, some of you were like, oh, no wonder. Right? Uh, Will was excited about uh, talking about Samson because they share such great strength. I'm just putting words in his mouth at this point. But uh, Will, tell us some about this cycle that we um, see show up in Judges. Um, So typically, the Israelites would repent and ask God to deliver them from slavery before God would send a judge and begin the process of delivering them. Um, But in this case of Samson, God begins to plan their deliverance before they repent. Um, In Judges chapter 13, verse 5, um, the angel of the Lord told Samson's mother, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So we see in chapter 13, well before the Israelites cried out, um, that God planned Samson's purpose in Israel's deliverance prior to their repentance. Um, So you see God move first. Yeah. I I read and I've heard in a couple of different lessons on Samson that the Philistines moved kind of slow and methodically and different than other nations that were trying to conquer uh, the Israelites. And it's not what you think of, normally I think of Goliath when I think of the Philistines, and you know, it's kind of, it seems like they're trying to rip your head off. Uh, but instead, the Philistines had like really advanced uh, warfare weapons and tactics, and so they moved very purposefully. Um, but more often than not, they would just move in to your land 
and try to intermarry and become part of your culture and you would become part of their culture. And so ultimately, your culture, there was no sign of your culture left. And so they would try to conquer you by assimilation. And so they would be moving in. And we see that show up in the story uh, of Samson. Ultimately, this backfires. Uh, again, spoiler, the Philistines, there's no Philistine nation anymore uh, because it didn't work to their advantage, right? Uh, and so they try to start moving in on God's people and start to assimilate with them and to, to conquer this Israelite culture. And so God, before they even repent, starts to move into this cycle and we skip a step and he starts raising up Samson and he appears to Samson's parents. And so during the 20-year period that Samson is a judge, uh, they're kind of slowly realizing the Israelites are like, oh man, the Philistines have kind of taken over. They're everywhere. This is a problem for us. And so we're, we're in, a, in a mess. Uh, and it's funny that Samson is kind of a hot mess himself, right? Uh, he's having a really tough time. Uh, Will, you mentioned the Nazarite uh, vow, and that's part of his origin story. So I think I've got a slide for that. Samson is a lot like the heroes that you're going to hear about on TV and movies. He's got this incredible origin story that before he was even born, you know, God has this plan for him. And it's like when they were just little turtles, Right? There was this sewage spilled on them, and they grew up to be, you know, and, and Superman, he was, he was just a boy when they found him, a baby, right? And he was crash-landed on this planet, and Spider-Man was in high school when he was bitten by the spider, just like that. Samson, before he was born, there was this supernatural, otherworldly event that happens, right? His parents are visited by the angel of the Lord. That's got to be super cool. Wish that had happened to me. That would have been awesome, right? You know, you're in the delivery room. Bright light or whatever. Uh, it's really shocking, and it's most of the chapter. It's a lot of chapter 13 is this angel showing up and explaining, look, there are boundaries that you were to set for your son, um, this Nazarite vow. So you can't be around death, no fruit of the vine, no fermented drink, no haircuts. So this long hair was supposed to represent and be a symbol of their dedication to God. And it's brought up in number six. That's where it comes from. God says, if you want to take a special vow, you can be a Nazarite, and you can take this Nazarite vow and you're not allowed to cut your hair for anything. And even if your parents die, you're not even allowed to go to their funeral because that's going to show your dedication to God. And so the angel of the Lord shows up, and part of Samson's origin story is he's going to have very strict boundaries. And so there's a lot of um, pros to the Nazarite vow. You don't have to go to any funerals. It's pretty cool. Um, great excuse for a bad hair day. Samson, I'm sure, had a lot of them with a lot of hair. He's just like, it's what I do. It's who I am. It defines me, right? Um, but in Samson's case, God also gives him this incredible strength that comes from his dedication and his parents' dedication to the Lord uh, to lead his people. And so there are some, definitely uh, some excellent parenting lessons in uh, the life of Samson. Samson's parents really stick to this vow. Um, you know, we might say they really raised him right. They put in a lot of effort to make sure that he was sticking with uh, this vow. And they dedicate him to the Lord. And I mean, sure, he has long hair, but that's, God wants him to have long hair, right? Um, and so he is dedicated to him. And then chapter 14, um, he says that he wants a Philistine wife. It's gotta be kind of a bummer for those parents, right? You know, that's like what they've raised him to not do or to not want. And he says, you know what? I want this Philistine woman to be my wife. And they try and kind of talk him out of it, but they let him make his own decisions. And still, Samson doesn't hate them for trying to talk him out of it. And um, I'm mindful as we begin another school year. And I mean, like I said, you should read it. And there's plenty of these parental lessons just between Samson and his parents and how he turns out and all these different things at play. 
Uh, but as we start another school year, one of my favorite phrases and something that's been on my heart as we start this, and it goes hand in hand with this study, uh, is the saying, prepare your child for the road, not the road for your child. Um, your child needs to be challenged. Your child needs to overcome on their own. In Judges 14, Samson and his parents are on a trip uh, to ultimately, they end up seeing this Philistine woman. They, they go and Samson lays eyes on her, and that's where he sees her and says, I want this woman to be my wife. And so they're traveling together. But at some point on this trip, Samson is given enough space that a lion jumps out, scares him. He rips it in half. That's what the Bible says. That's nuts, right? Lion jumps out, he rips it in half, and doesn't have to tell his parents. It makes that note in Scripture. He didn't even have to tell his parents. He kept that from him. Now, I get that he was probably keeping it because of the Nazarite vow, right? He doesn't want them to know that he was around death. That would have broken his vow. It's not good. But he doesn't even tell him. Your child needs space to be challenged. Yes, there's these boundaries that come with this Nazarite vow, but prepare them to be challenged. Allow them to overcome on their own uh, without you having to step in and clear the path. So remember, uh, even Samson, who ripped this line in half and kind of kept it from his parents, ends up in Hebrews chapter 11. He has a Hebrews 11 faith. He is a giant of the faith. Uh, Will, Samson did some other incredibly cool stuff with his strength, and I think you're going to get into it. So easily the most renowned attribute of Samson is his strength. Um, when you hear Samson, immediately you think of um, strength, power, and hair. Um, so we all know Samson is strong, but don't gloss over the points of him being strong. We see unbelievable stories of Samson throughout chapters 13 through 16. I mean, for example, the guy ripped a line in half. Um, he goes around killing Philistines with his bare hands. Uh, he killed 3,000 Philistines in his own death by ripping apart a temple. Um, in today's words, those feats are strong and powerful and fast and agile, but that's so ridiculously strong and powerful that, I mean, you can make no mistake that that strength can only come from God. Um, I mean, he killed 1,000 men with one single jawbone. You don't even see that in... Avengers or any movie in Hollywood, but that kind of strength is so outlandish and bizarre that it, it can only come from God. Um, and in Judges, every description of Samson's strength is preceded by the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Multiple times in Judges 14 and Judges 15, the Bible mentions the Spirit of the Lord descending on Samson. So not only are the feats so remarkable that it is unmistakably God, the Bible flat out tells us in Scripture that it's the Spirit of the Lord working in Samson. Samson's strength was allowing God to use him for God's purpose. Awesome. So as strong as Samson uh, was, strong enough to, I mean, some of these, like Will is saying, with the jawbone of a donkey, it's so bizarre, it's so ridiculous sounding, it's, it's unbelievable, right? Even if it was 50 dudes, we'd be blown away by that, right? With the jawbone, you know? And maybe, maybe 1,000 was just an allegorical number for 100 or a lot, that's so weird, right? It's, it's unreal. Um, but I think, I don't know, there's a lot up there. There's some weird stuff. But catching 300 foxes, Will's a fast guy. Um, that seems hard. I'd say so. <laughs> catching 300 foxes and using them to burn down the fields when we know he's the super strong guy and could probably like whirl a tor torch around and get it done. But 300 foxes, whatever, man. Um, so Samson... Uh, an incredibly strong guy, but his life riddled with weakness, um, and his weakness is a lot like our own. I think we have a slide. 
it kind of sums that up, that Samson's weakness is a lot like ours. He has this unworldly strength, this strength that nobody else has, and yet his weakness is every man's weakness, everybody's weakness. Um, Samson falls into this trap over and over that his strength is his own. We do this a lot, that it belongs to us, and so we're allowed to do with our strength and our talent and what we've been given, and we can use that however we want to use it. That's a trap that uh, Samson falls into a bunch, and sometimes we can turn a blind eye to in our own lives. Uh, He uses his strength for selfish gain. He uses it to bail himself out of trouble a lot. There's multiple times where Samson is doing um, promiscuous stuff with women that he shouldn't be with in towns that he's not, in cities that he's not supposed to be in. And what does he have to do? He has to like stay up late and rip gates off of cities and carry them to hills and taunt people, right? It's just so outlandish that he would use his strength for those sorts of things. Um, but he does. How often do we forget about the origin of our strength? It's easy to do. It's easy to begin to lean on our own. God has given a lot of freedom, a lot of privilege, a lot of blessing to the people in this room, the people um, that go to church here, that live in this area. We've been given so many things, so many things to be counted as strengths uh, towards ourselves, um, also our families, our churches. And I hope that we don't ever forget that these are from God. They're not our own. They're not given to us uh, to be spent as our own. Um, They're meant to be used for the kingdom of God, not our own kingdom. And that's a really easy trap and easy weakness that Samson had and that we have. Uh, Samson's a great example of getting hung up in his own storyline. Samson's real fast to um, really reflect on where he's at. uh, And it's really summed up nicely uh, in Judges 15. After the spirit of the Lord descends on Samson, um, like Will was saying, giving him the strength in this moment, it's almost like a, a burst of strength uh, really fascinating scripture where it, it shows up sometimes and then it doesn't show up as much and later in his life. And so the spirit shows up and it rushes him and he slays a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. And then Judges fifteen eighteen says, and after this, he was very thirsty. Man, incredible strength and just every man's weakness, right? It's summed up in one story. He can kill a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey and yet here he is very thirsty And then he falls into this trap in this moment of weakness, maybe when we're hungry or angry or lonely or tired or thirsty, we make bad decisions and we curse God or maybe we're upset with God or maybe, you know what, God's not helping, so I'm going to do this on my own. Samson kind of cries out to God and he says, you've given your servant this great victory and now you're going to let me die of thirst. It's a little dramatic. Samson's a lot like me, right? Um, He's dramatic. And God just shoots water out of the ground answers his prayer immediately, which has got to be the coolest thing, right? I guess if you're a judge, you're probably, you know, maybe half a tier above some other people. But uh, so he's like, yeah, now I'm going to die of thirst. And God just opens up the ground and gives him water. And it says immediately he was revived and has his strength again. Samson was a part of something that's so much bigger than just him. He's a part of God's story, God's kingdom, the Israelite story. He's a part of history in the making. And he does this huge feat He's fighting God's people out of this messy situation. He's accomplishing things for God's kingdom. And he's still, at the end of the day, he's like, well, what am I going to die of thirst? You know, I sure am hungry. And he's just hung up in some of the mundane things of his storyline. Sometimes we're doing a lot of good stuff. We're coming to church, and we are raising good kids, 
and we are uh, working hard and working earnestly, and we are doing the best we can to do good things, but we're not doing it for God at all. And we're using our strengths, and we're spinning in our wheel, and it's a horrible, miserable sacrifice to God. Samson has the same weaknesses that we do, and he falls into a lot of the same traps that we do. Now, finally, Samson's strength ultimately becomes an idol for him. Uh, he begins to lean on his strength instead of God's, and ultimately it fails him. Uh, and he, I mean, we don't even have time to go into Delilah. It's a whole other thing, right? We, me and Will, we didn't want to talk about it. It was awkward. She was a prostitute. We just avoided it, so we're not even going to get into it. But he, he falls into this trap again, and his strength fails him, and he's worn down by the woman. Uh, and, and we cannot work hard enough. We cannot make enough money. We cannot do enough to be God. And so one of the reminders that I kept coming back to personally in the story of Samson and something that I thought you guys might benefit from is that the success of this world is going to fail us. It will, no matter what. Whatever we achieve or think we can achieve will ultimately fail. It will not be here. And so I hope and I pray for this church family, for the people here tonight, the people that are going to be here on Sundays, the people that are getting this on YouTube like four years from now, I hope that we're not found leaning on our own strength or our own success when Jesus comes back. Wouldn't that be a miserable way to be found trying to do it ourselves? Will's going to talk about um, how that strength is supposed to be spent as a chosen people. So Samson was dedicated by his parents to God, and God used him to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. But Samson didn't always choose God. God's purpose will always be accomplished, regardless and in spite of our shortcomings and sinful ways as God's purpose was accomplished in the case of Samson, regardless and in spite of Samson's shortcomings. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his own marvelous light. You are allowed to have a messy faith with ups and downs. We see over and over again in Scripture, God uses people in spite of themselves. Whether it be Abraham or Samson or etc., God gives strength even then. Even through your ups and downs, your spiritual highs and your spiritual lows, God will give you strength. For me, the story of Samson is easily a top five uh, children's Bible story. Just, I mean, growing up, Bible class, you're going to hear about it plenty of times. Um, but looking at it through a more mature lens, the story gets a little uncomfortable. He's a hero, yet he's deeply flawed. And I found it was very definitive of Samson's life that even when Samson was crying out to God in his death, he still prays to God about his own revenge and about what happened to his own eyes, not what happened to God's people. Even then, though, as Barrett mentioned earlier, Samson's faith was, com was commended in Hebrews 11 as a faith that was strong and saved people of God. Yeah, I, I think about my prayer life and sometimes how I get really hung up on if I'm not having a good, consistent, uh, meaningful prayer life, and I'm not talking to God and pouring myself out earnestly and all these things, then, man, I'm just in a bad way. Uh, I, I can't possibly be a good Christian. And we really, you know, can, can teach and preach on prayer a lot, and that's good, and it should define our relationship with Jesus, especially in the good times. But then I read stories like Samson, and it's like he has two really miserable prayers in his entire life mentioned in scripture. I'm sure there were more, right? But he cries out to God about being thirsty and he cries out about, God, I want revenge and I want it now. 
like, yeah, that's kind of a rough prayer life, right? And ultimately, his faith is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And so even though he's a man of great strength, he's a man of weakness. He has ups and downs, and I love the way Will put that. You're allowed to have a messy faith. But there's one thing that I think we should take, I mean, there's several things that we should take from this study, but that's okay. That happens. There are good seasons and bad seasons. There are ups and downs. So as a, a closing point and just a reminder before we pray and are dismissed, uh, God is with us in this mess. He is with us uh, sometimes in spite of our mess, uh, in spite of the mess that's going on in this world, God is at work. And so like Will was saying, let's live like a chosen people. Uh, let's live like we are dependent on his strength. Let's live like we're dependent on him. Uh, let's live for his kingdom and not our own and use every ounce of our strength for God's glory, for his reputation. It's so easy to get caught in that popular trap where we're using our strength for ourselves. And we're called to so much more than that. Let's close in prayer and then you'll be dismissed. Go get your kiddos. God, we're so thankful for this study that we've got to have this summer. We're thankful for our church family and that church was part of your plan, that the church that meets here at McDermott Road was uh, always intended. And God, we're so thankful uh, for that. And we are blessed uh, to be a part of this family. God, I pray that you would um, help us to take lessons from this study and help them to stay with us, help us to uh, gain encouragement and strength from them. God, help us to not fall into traps this week. Just help us to be mindful of them, highlight them in our lives. Uh, God, help us to fall more in love with you, more in love with your church and your people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we're thankful for your spirit and for your son, Jesus. It's through his name that we pray. Amen.